So do you guys ever have any hobbies that seem to be like a, a revived passion or like a, you know, something that, that maybe you haven't done for a while and then like, you know, you get the, get the itch to do it again. Um, I know for me, sometimes there's video games where I've reached like a, a hard level um, that I can't necessarily get past, but then like maybe a month later after the frustrations have subsided, I'll, I'll pick it up again and then like get past that point very easily and then continue with the game. And it's like, what the, what the heck? Why was, why was that so hard when I was doing it before? And why is it so much easier when I haven't been uh, practicing the game or, or doing it for a while? Um, I, I don't know if you can relate to something like that. Um, but I remember when I was in high school, I loved to do the shop classes. Does, does any, did anybody love doing shop classes in here? A few people, one person that I saw an actual hand. Um, great. So. Anyways, I guess it'll be me and her that, that share this passion together. But anyways, um, I remember when, when I was in there, specifically my senior year, um, I had taken all the hard classes or all the required classes first so that my senior year could be, a, be basically like a play year. And I, half of my schedule were, were, the, were the shop classes or the engineering classes, um, the, the more fun classes to me. Uh, to do, and so like in those th uh, in those classes, you know, we we did things like build miniature houses. We we made you know circuit boards, CO2 cars. Um, we even you know built robots to battle each other out of wood, and and I loved it. Um, it, it was you know a really good time to to just build and, and have fun my senior year. Um, but after high school, I didn't really do anything with that. Um, you know, being like a, a a rec and sports management major and then going into to being a Christian ministry major, like there, there wasn't really time for those classes. And so hadn't really done much with it. And then Caitlin and I um, bought our house and we basically um, touched everything in it with, with either paint or like doing the flooring, um, you know, basically everything had been touched up inside of it after we, we had bought it. And, and as we were doing that, as we were doing these renovations, um, it was like, like the itch had been scratched again. It was fun. I had enjoyed it for the most part. I didn't know I knew so much French, but uh, um, I uh, found, found out very soon that those, those different projects would lead to frustrations as well. But it was always fun at the end of the day to kind of take a step back and admire the work that had been done, whether it was solely me, or most of the time it was our family that had come in. And some of you might be in here that came and did some of those projects as well. Um, but in that time, it was kind of that getting your hands dirty again. And then that led into woodworking again. And, and for me, it's definitely a huge passion of mine to do woodworking, because it allows me to create pieces of art people can put in their homes and enjoy being in their home, being able to see these pieces. It's a revived passion of mine. What about you? What's something maybe you've loved doing before that you haven't done for a while? You know, it might be painting, it might be crocheting, it could be running, playing video games, hiking. You know, there's so many hobbies that people can have in this world. And what are some that maybe you used to have that now you think back is like, oh man, I should pick that up again. There are a ton of passions in us 
that, that as we live our lives, we'll get revived. And often it leaves us thinking, I miss this. I miss this. And so today, kind of similarly to, to passions, we're talking about revived callings or revived commissions. And there are purposes and callings that God has for us that he doesn't allow us to leave. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He rebelled completely against God, and it led him to being swallowed by a fish. When he realized there was no more running and hiding, he repented and gave it to to God. And God had the fish puke him out. And as we're going to see, God gives Jonah the same commission that he did at the beginning of the story. And so if you have your Bible, um, you can turn to Jonah 3, verse 1. Um, if you have the Version Bible app um, under the events tab, you can go there, and then we have all the scriptures and notes and things that we'll be going through today. Um, so it's always, always a useful tool to kind of keep things in the same place. So last week we looked at one verse. Today we're going to look at two verses, um, which is pretty pretty fun. So Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. So because God is love and shows an insane amount of grace, he gives us another chance, just like he gave Jonah another chance. And so this might be a cheesy illustration, but I want to, I want to talk about um, the book A Christmas Carol for, for a second. Um, written by Charles Dickens, Christmas classic. Um, Christmas season's coming around sooner or later, so I figured it was a good time to use it. Um, so Ebenezer Scrooge, as we know in this story, he's a, he's a mean old man, very self-centered. Um, you know, we get the, the verb, you're acting like a Scrooge, or not really a verb, but you're acting like a Scrooge, or the word humbug you know, comes from the story. Um, he only cares about himself, and as a banker, he swindles all these people, often with insane deals that they, you know, they're not going to be able to, to make, and so they end up taking, like, the property. Um, he doesn't pay his workers very well at all, so they're living basically in the slums. Um, and so he's basically very about himself. A lot of hate in his heart. And when his friend and co-worker, Jacob Marley, died, he inherited the, the Marley Mansion because there's nobody else for the house to go to. And at around Christmas time one year, there is, you know, that the time when, when Jacob Marley shows up as a ghost to Scrooge. And basically, he tells him, like, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be in all these chains like I am. You're going to be so weighed down that, that all your sins are, are going to come back and bite you very hard. And so he tells he tells uh, Scrooge, he warns them that he's going to be visited by three ghosts in the night. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future. And through this journey um, with all these uh, ghosts of, of, you know, Christmas past, present, and future, Scrooge is, is made aware of his sins that he's, he's, he has in his life. He, he sees the places where he's been, and, and he, he's, you know, re reinvited or, or you know, he remembered the time when he actually had joy in the Christmas past, when he actually enjoyed Christmas and had an enjoyment with the presence of people. And then he saw, like, Christmas present, how, how the Crouches were, were in a terrible place because he wasn't paying diddly squat to, to Bob Crouch to be his worker. 
and saw Tiny Tim, how in Christmas future that he would soon die because of the sickness, and, and the crouches couldn't pay for good health care um, because of, of not being able to have enough money. And he saw that nobody cared in the future that he died. In some ways, they were excited that he died. He saw a lot of who he was, and it led him to repenting of his past darknesses. He was made new, and when he awoke, he was given another chance. He had a revived commission to take care of the people around him. He had a revived passion to love like he hadn't loved in decades. And God did something I'm sure that Jonah didn't expect at all when he called him to deliver the message to the Ninevites that he didn't want to give. God still called him to the same purpose. His commission to the Ninevites was revived. Many times when we're in the, in the same place of Jonah, we think that's it, right? There's no way I can go back and, and, and do what, what I felt like God was calling me to do. But I think there are callings in our lives, just like Jonah experienced, that God wants to revive. Maybe you had a great idea for a student club, and you know, you're looking around campus, you're like, oh, that, that would be such a good idea to get people involved. And, and you know, you, you think about it, but you don't necessarily end up going through with it. And maybe that's an idea that God wants to revive in you today. Maybe you felt you've wanted to go into ministry before, but because of the shame and guilt of your past sins, you've neglected the call to continue it. You feel like what you did made you, made you not able to go into it anymore. Today, I want us to look at the process that God took Jonah through when it came to reviving his calling and how God does the same thing with us. And so the first thing, if you have notes, you can put like at the top of the, the sheet, or if you're following with version, it's already in there. The, write down the process of a revived commission. So we're going to be looking specifically at Jonah and how this happened. So the first thing is God met Jonah. So the exact location of where Jonah was thrown up is unknown. But one thing we do know is where Jonah went. And wherever he went, God was there as well. God was more concerned with Jonah than his calling. He knew if Jonah believed in who he was supposed to be, that the work would naturally flow through him. Through Jonah's time of desertion, God didn't give up on him, and he still called him. He did not let, let Jonah fully just go his own way. He was still there, ready to pick him up when he failed. And while we screw up and sometimes choose to go in a direction we're not called to, God is still right beside us, trying to get us back onto the path that leads to life. The best way I think that I can describe it is in the lost parables in, in Luke 15. And I want to look specifically at the first parable that Jesus tells. And he specifically is telling these stories because these Pharisees are like, dude, why are you spending all this time with, with all these outcasts and people that, that really have, you know, nothing to do with society? Nothing's advancing here by you hanging out with these people. So why are you hanging out with these people, these big-time sinners? And this is, this is the story that Jesus tells, the first one. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. 
When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There is more joy in heaven over the one lost sinner who repents. God meets us where we are and helps us to get back to the flock. What the story um, reminds me of, other than the, the, the reckless love song, um, is, 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 is a little bit of an illustration. Imagine that, that you're, you're stuck in a ditch. Um, you know, you, it's, it's too deep for you just to get out by yourself. You know, you, there's no rope, there's, no, there's nothing to climb. Like, if you try, you're just going to be continuing to scrape dirt um, on the, the side of the walls. Um, it's starting, starting to get dark out, and, and so you're just stuck there, and you don't know what's going to come of it. You, you start to hear, you know, leaves rustle. It sounds like some, somebody's coming, maybe. And so um, you're just like, am I rescued? Is, is something going to happen? And so you're, you're in this place where you don't know what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And he's there, and, and he just bends down, puts his, puts his hand out, hey, here we go. Grab my hand. Let's go. And in that moment, you have a choice to make. You can grab the hand and go with Jesus, or you can choose to continue to stay in your darkness. If you want to sit there and enjoy, you know, not knowing what's going to come of the night, all the the coyotes and wolves or whatever, you can choose to be there. Or you can go with Jesus who wants to take you to a good place. He wants to take you into the light. He wants to take you into his love. And, and as, uh, you know, the, as we know, usually with, with you know, the, the third parable in the story with the lost son, there's a huge celebration at the end when the son returns. There's a huge celebration when we come to Jesus. When we give our life back to him every time. He gets excited and pumped that we're choosing to, to continue to go back to him. The reason why he died is to forgive our sins. So he finds joy every time when we give it back to him. The enemy wants to lie to you. He wants you to sit in your shame, your darkness, and believe that, that you're not good enough to get into heaven. And, and, and often, yeah, that, that, that's true. We're not good enough to get into heaven. That's why we need Jesus. That's why he came to overcome the world, to overcome the enemy. And so Jesus is there saying, come, let's go. I'm here for you. God meets us where we are. The second thing God does with Jonah is he speaks to Jonah. The first time we read about God uh, speaking to Jonah um, in this story, Jonah chooses to run immediately in the, the opposite direction, to get as far away from his calling as possible. And the thing that's interesting is God doesn't stop speaking to Jonah. When, when we look at the story, um, Jonah attempts to go to Tarshish, and what happens? God speaks through a storm saying, no, you're not going there. And then when Jonah tries to, to end it all by going into, you know, jumping overboard to stop the storm, and probably assuming he's going to lose his life so he doesn't have to go further into, um, you know, into his calling. God sends a fish. He's saying, I'm still here for you. 
And, and often when, when uh, you know, most bosses and leaders would give up on Jonah, God speaks again to Jonah after he's, he's on, the, on the shore. He tells Jonah to get up. Don't sit there and sulk on the beach. He tells him to get up and go give the message that I've given to you. I think we miss God's voice on a regular, just like Jonah did. And the good thing is, God just keeps talking to us. He knows we won't always listen, just like kids don't always listen to their parents. I know I didn't always listen to my parents. Maybe, maybe you did, but I know I didn't. But God wants you, and he loves you. If you're willing, you'll hear the words that he's want, he wants to speak to you. In the middle of our dark ba- battles, the, the places of sin and shame and guilt, where maybe we feel like we don't hear the voice of God, and we're just like, where are you? Often, what, what, what we see with Jonah, specifically, is he, he, he sees that he's doing the wrong. He sees that, yeah, I've been running away from my calling. I need to stop doing that. And so he repents and says, God, wherever you are, wherever I go, there you are. And so often for us, when we admit, yeah, I got all this gunk in my life, yeah, I've been avoiding that calling. Yeah, I've been avoiding forgiving that person. And when we do that, God will often speak and will actually be willing to hear his words. And just so you know, it's not always often a, uh, an audible voice that you can hear, like over the loudspeaker where, you know, it's, it's easy to hear. A lot of times for me, it's just a strong leaning in my heart. Often for me, it's, it's watching movies and, and seeing these, these different, like, people, you know, associating with each other. And, and often I feel just God saying, this is, this is what it's like. This is for you. It's a little whisper that he gives us to hold on to. It comes from reading scripture and Jesus saying, just like I did this with Jonah, I'm going to do it with you. I'm here for you. The story of overcoming grace isn't just for for the Ninevites or or Jonah. It's for you. After the long battle of living in our sin and shame, when we finally give up, uh, you know, knowing that we can't run from God, He will restore us and speak true life into us. So the third thing that God does with Jonah is He commissions Jonah again. The beautiful thing about God is he's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. If I was God, you know, I, with, with Jonah, I'd say, who's next in line? Um, you know, is it, uh, is it you know, who, who, who else? Who else do we got? Who, who's in the lineup? Um, but that's not the case. Instead, he knew what Jonah did. He said, get up, go to the Ninevites and relay the message I'm speaking to you. He allows Jonah a new opportunity, and he does the same with us. One of the most beautiful aspects, I think, of our relationships with Jesus is renewal. When we fall, the enemy wants us to believe it's done. Yeah, that's, that was your chance. No way you can do anything for the kingdom now. But instead, God says, get up. It's not always beautiful to the eye, as you can imagine with Jonah being vomit. It's, it's beautiful in the sense that our spiritual lives are changed. We head towards the road 
of repentance. One of the most common themes of Scripture is God's forgiveness and giving people more chances. And hopefully when we think about different stories, we, we see that, right? Abraham fled to Egypt and lied to Sarah, or lied about Sarah, his wife, and told the people that she was his sister to try and avoid backlash and persecution. God still gave Abraham another chance to be the father of many nations. Jacob lied to his father Isaac about being Esau and getting his brother's blessing. God forgave him and used him to build up Israel. Moses killed a person, fled from Egypt, and God showed up to him in a burning bush and told him he would deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times after Jesus was arrested, but Jesus forgave Peter and said, follow me. Whatever we've done to sin against God, he says, I forgive you. Now follow me and go where I need you. In Jonah's case, he was called to speak to Nineveh. He was recommissioned with his original purpose. And I believe he continues that in us. He continues that in us. Don't believe the lie that the enemy wants to tell you that it's over. It's not over yet. For each of these examples I stated, it wasn't over for them. And in the middle of that, God essentially says, nope, your story isn't over yet. You still have got lots of things ahead of you. It's not over yet. You still got work to do. Now let's get up. Let's go do it. So as we end this morning, just something to kind of be reflecting on is where is God recommissioning you? What's something inside of you that you felt called to do for a long time? And maybe for, for a while you've been neglecting it. Or maybe for a while you've kind of forgotten about it. And God's like, all right, now's the time. Let's pick this back up again. It's not over yet. You got work to do. Now let's go do it. Where is God recommissioning you? God, thank you for this morning. And thank you for the story of Jonah. While a, you know, a very hard prophet to learn from, a prophet that we can relate to very easily. I know I relate all too often to Jonah. And so God, I just thank you for being a God of, of multiple chances, that, that it brings you joy when we come to you with, with our shame and our guilt and our darknesses. And that every time you're willing to forgive us, when we seek repentance. And so, Jesus, I pray that we do that today. I pray, Jesus, that we know that our stories aren't over yet and that you're going to continue doing a good work in us. Help us, God, to seek those um, revived callings that you've placed in us. It's your name we pray. Amen.